0: Welcome to NGA Notable Lectures, a podcast offering a deeper understanding of all things artistic. In his photographs of queer African Americans, John Edmonds challenges the exclusionary history of art by expanding its roster of subjects while using its conventions to recognize the humanity and sensuality of his sitters. For his Do-Rag and Hoods series, Edmonds dressed his subjects in culturally specific clothing in photographs that tempered stereotypes associated with streetwear with soft light and demure poses. Art historian and writer Jessica Bell Brown asserts that Edmonds' portraits are not rebuttals of stereotypes about black and brown men, nor are they objective documents of black life. Rather, they are radical alternative propositions of how we can behold anew. On September 23, 2018, in conjunction with the exhibition Dawood Bay, The Birmingham Project, Bell Brown and Edmonds discuss the possibilities that come with new forms and subjects of portraiture. This program is made possible by the James D. and Catherine K. Steele Fund for Photography. The special installation of four large-scale photographs and one video from Bay's The Birmingham Project will be on view at the National Gallery of Art through March 17th, 2019.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to the National Gallery of Art and thank you for braving this thoroughly yucky day to be here. Uh, My name is Kara Fedorik and I'm the Andrew W. Mellon Postdoctoral Curatorial Fellow in the Department of Photographs. It's been my tremendous honor to put together this small but important exhibition that today's talk accompanies. Dawood Bay, the Birmingham Project, is on view through March 24th in Gallery 22 in the West Building. Bay's series is a timely tribute to the six young African-Americans who were murdered on September 15, 1963, in the 16th Street Baptist Church bombing and its aftermath. Working on this exhibition got me thinking about novel approaches to portraiture and contemporary photography, especially as it relates to the black subject, a subject that has often been marginalized or mistreated or rendered invisible, rather than approached with subtlety and insight. John Edmonds probing, sensuous portraits immediately came to mind as a recent example of the kind of complex representations of African-Americans and young people that Dawoud Bey has promoted since the 1970s. It's easy to recognize how Edmonds is paving the way for new forms of portraiture. But once we discovered that he's a DC native and a Corcoran alum, we were very excited to invite him to speak at the gallery. Edmonds works not only in photography, but also in fabric, video, and text. And he explores themes of identity, community, and desire. Currently based in Brooklyn, he received his MFA in photography from Yale University School of Art and his BFA in photography from the Corcoran School of Arts and Design, and is presently on the faculty at Yale and the School of Visual Arts in New York. Most recognized for projects on the self-fashioning of young black men, His work is in numerous public collections, including the Art Gallery of Ontario, the Columbus Museum of Art, the Philadelphia Museum of Art, and the Brooklyn Museum. Directly after today's talk, Edmonds will be signing copies of his debut monograph, Higher, in the atrium just outside the auditorium. In conversation with Edmonds is Jessica Bell Brown, a writer, curator, and art historian based in Harlem. She's currently a PhD candidate in the Department of Art and Archaeology at Princeton University. Without further delay, please help me welcome John Edmonds and Jessica Bell Brown.
2: So let's talk about, let's start with um, the Immaculate series. Sure. Your, I would say your first major body of, of work, yes. 2011 to
3: 2017.
2: Yes. Um, You are known for making your way into thinking about new constructions of masculinity, notions of softness. Um, You're known for your sense of of glorious light. I wanted to ask you, how did you know that photography was the medium for you as an artist? And what can you say about the Immaculate series as your initial, I think, foray into thinking about constructions of bodies within the photographic medium.
3: I began photography when uh, I studied photography at the Corcoran School of Arts and Design. Um, uh, Before, I was thinking that I was going to work in a medium um, such as uh, painting or um, not a medium that was so close to um, real representations of the world, so not, not in the photographic medium. Um, I studied photography at the Corcoran, and um, before I, I studied, um, I was I was very interested in the way that photography as a medium was a direct way to kind of make representations of the world around me. Um, I was uh, always very very interested in it as a um, Kind of recreational, kind of medium, or something to do in my free time. Uh, it wasn't until I think I was maybe 15 or 16 years old uh, that I started taking photography a lot more seriously um, and, and thinking more critically about the role it actually had um, for me as um, as a young artist, as, as a young person. So, um, in in the Immaculate series, um, this this photograph that we're looking at on the screen uh, is from one of the first from the series. It began in 2011. Uh, I remember the day, the day that I made this picture very, very clearly. I rode up to New York to make this picture. Um, and I was, at the time, I was in my last year of undergrad, working on my Singer thesis, thinking not only about the representation of, of men of color or, or black men, but more specifically about um, the domestic space and looking at my subjects in these kind of in-between moments of domesticity. So um, that's that's how this the, the the entire kind of project began. So,
2: how do you source your models? Um, was this the first time that you had cast folks from mm-hmm. like complete strangers?
3: Yeah, I mean. So the the person in this photograph, this is Ramon, and me and Ramon have, have been friends for for years. And you know, usually I'm scouting people on the streets, on the train, on the bus. A big part of my growing up here was using public transit. So it was, I think the the first place that I learned to kind of observe people and and kind of ponder and empathize and and, and think about. Other people's stories and kind of conjure stories in my own mind uh, about the sitters as well. So, yeah, I, I I ran to I I rode up to New York, and at the time I was um, going back and forth between D.C. and New York. This is one of the first first photographs in the in the series, uh, and you know, when you look at when I look at this picture, I see a lot of thematics that begin to occur. In um, the late, the the more recent work, but this idea of dressing, getting dressed, clothes as, as a a theme of, um, sort of personhood, identity, putting on clothes like, uh, one armors oneself to go into the world. So,
2: but it's yeah. also a very private, or appears to be a, a, a private moment, that kind of preparato- preparatory, um, veiling that one might. Um, Engage in before making your way out into the world, but then you've also mm-hmm. got these framing devices um, in the mm-hmm. interior of, of of the image. I'm thinking about, um, I'm thinking about a, the bit of information here, the the Vaseline and the, the uh, mm-hmm. different um, accoutrement for preparing oneself, the deodorant, yes. the how how much of, of this process of image making was a negotiation between the kind of candid and, let's say, the staging, the framing, so to speak?
3: A lot of the earlier pictures, I mean, I'm making these photographs with a 6x6 six six camera, and it's a Hasselblad medium format camera, a camera that's mainly used for kind of studio photography. When I look at these pictures also, I kind of see myself training my eyes to see mm-hmm. and, and, and training myself to actually... Um, use the camera um, not simply as a, as a recording device, but as a, as a device that can um, carve out a sort of narrative or a, a, a sort of slice of, of a moment for a story. So the pictures are, um, in this series, in the Immaculate series, are partially these portraits that are made with the intention of kind of with these appointments. Um, that I would make with the sitters, and I would go to their houses, and you know they would kind of be going about their day, and I would use, um, I would look for the place that has more kind of a demure, soft light, mm-hmm. and um, kind of place them in it, and kind of look for these moments of of introspection. You know? So it's partially staged, but also partially um, seen.
2: So there was space for um, serendipity or spontaneity happening yes. within within the image-making mm-hmm. process. Mm-hmm. Let's move on to the next image, because I also wanted to ask you about your relationship to to painting. We yes. talk a lot about the mm-hmm. term chiaroscuro, mm-hmm. this this play on darkness and lightness, mm-hmm. um, which kind of developed from painterly language as opposed to its use in photography. What is your relationship to the painterly as an image-maker?
3: Well, in, in studying photography, I had always been really interested in the sort of impressionist um, ph- photography kind of um, impressionists of the 1920s and 1930s, and uh, this kind of enterprise of making photo- making photographs that, in a way, had this kind of competition to, to painting, or um, this sort of ambition of uh, kind of having a similar language to, to painting. And as... Someone who grew up in—I grew up in church, and when I first started coming to museums like the National Gallery um, or the National Portrait Gallery, some of the first sort of paintings that I could recognize were ones that had uh, this—the same language around kind of light and in, in color, light as color, this attention to form, this attention to composition—that I very much felt was in the sort of contemporary conversation around photography was not very push forward or relevant. In a lot of these pictures, i'm I'm sort of employing this kind of language of of painting uh, as a way to also kind of develop my own language as an artist. So, for example, this this picture, Marcus with a Sacred Heart, I remember, being on the bus and the, the sort of vivid blue of, of the interiors of the bus. And um, the first time I photographed him entering the room and thinking, like, wow, this is, it's, it's so interesting, and how um, there's a kind of color story here. Like, and how, you know, this is the same way, the, the same vividness of the blue uh, reminding me the same kind of uh, uh, vividness of, of the blue on the bus. So, um, this really sort of intense. Blue and these diamonds in the background that kind of replicate the shape of the Superman tattoo that to me really looked like this kind of pulsating heart of Christ in a lot of ways. So.
2: Mm-hmm. Also, I think thinking about the relig- the religiosity or uh, sort of sacredness of, of of the image. This this bright, vivid blue reminds me of lapis lazuli. Um, you yes. use a lot of. Um, or you make reference to um, medieval, early Renaissance um, works, and I'm wondering what... (laughs) This image is just so striking. I kind of want to take a moment to step back and and think about um, the kinds of constructions or or pointedness of your camera. Um, What are you... In making Marcus with the Sa- Marcus with the Sacred Heart, um, what drew you to Marcus as a subject to photograph, and what were you uh, like maybe kind of sort of thinking about the markings of the body and mm-hmm. um, the beauty of the subject
3: mm-hmm. Well, you know I remember seeing him and just being so taken by the sort of androgyny of of the face, um, this very, very kind of uh, Intense, piercing uh, shape of face, and very, very intense eyes, but also a sort of demureness also about it, um, and also a particular kind of sensitivity um, in in the eyes and in the gaze. Um, usually, when I approach people, I, I try to uh, make con- eye contact to see if they will, um, you know, and I, and I nod. See if they will um, nod back. So that. Um, for me, really shows okay. They're not going to completely <laughs> rebut me if I approach them. So um, I would, you know, I would just you know make eye contact and uh, approach them uh, very, very um, kind of candidly and just ask them uh, if they would be interested in sitting for a portrait uh, for me. Um, but what you know, what really drew me to him as a subject is just this, this sense of sense of androgyny. Uh, to the face, in the face. Um, and and these very, very intense uh, tattoos that, that are Roman numerals that start off as this kind of look of branding, but become this perfect kind of rendition of these kind of Roman numerals on the chest, so.
2: Thinking about the suffering Christ and this idea of, of a body in, in, in an extreme mode of vulnerability. That's something that um, I want to sort of hold space for in thinking about um, images from from this series. Mm-hmm. But also, um, there's a way in which we, we see the sort of forwardness or frontality of the subject in this body of work. When we move into, mm-hmm. um, into the hoods, we see this kind of figurative retreat.
3: Yeah, the hoods. The This series began in, in 2016. At the time, I was getting my master's in photography. Um, so living in New Haven, uh, a very, very fraught city where, I mean, New Haven itself is a very uh, black and Hispanic city. But in the center, there's Yale University that th- is this very kind of stark PWI. In a lot of ways, in, in living there in my first year, I, I, I lived off campus, which was closer to where I would say the locals locals live in every day where I when I would walk from where I lived to school, you can really see this kind of shift in perception of space, you know, this kind of shift in or socioeconomic uh shift. And you know, I started thinking a lot about the sort of story around um, clothes, and there was one day I was just in my in my bedroom, just very casually working, and I looked up and I saw a hoodie of mine hanging on the on the door, and it it, it really struck me in how it looked like there was a body underneath the the hood itself. So I, I started really making these pictures, thinking about the sort of implication of a body uh, underneath, and and not the sort of specificity of the the individual um, sort of costuming these individuals to. Um, almost kind of act as these sort of vignettes of of my own self um, in in the image, so constructing the image more Mm -hmm.
2: so. One of the last times that we spoke, um, you said something to me that was so um, striking. You said uh, one of the reasons that I um, was drawn to photography was because it, quote, shows you how things are and what they are, but not only what they are. Can you talk about how that relates to, this body of work, or your approach to thinking about picturing subjects, whether they're in a mode of, of retreat, as they are, I would say, in the Hood series versus this kind of extreme sense of presence in the Immaculate um, series.
3: Right, right. So when I was making the Hoods, uh, what had really struck me also particularly about um, you know, photographing you know the hood as as a subject and and photographing these individuals was, uh, in how, you know, photography itself is is very interesting in how, it, you know, the picture becomes a, a kind of separate kind of universe almost in a way. It's a it's a constructed reality. It's a constructed space, um, and it's 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 something that I. I view as kind of separate from reality. So, the the picture being this real kind of opportunity for the viewer to kind of look at and look into and kind of feel um, uh, feel the identity of the individual. So this this um, there being this real moment of of kind of uh, confrontation, but introspection at the same time. This kind of uh, uh, contradictory um, kind of way that the photograph is actually activated with in in the viewer's encounter with it as 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 an object.
2: I think it should I should also say that um, you sometimes appear in this series that mm-hmm. it's sometimes you cast um, models, but sometimes you photograph yourself, right in in mm-hmm. the hoods. Mm-hmm. so at, this, at times, yeah, mm-hmm. so a time. there's a kind of. I think, performative aspect to these works that I would say is very, very present. I'm thinking about the hood as a garment that has Mm -hmm. captivated um, artists and writers Mm -hmm. um, for a while now. I'm thinking about David Hammond's, his um, In the Hood um, sculpture, which is essentially a just the 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 hood part of a hoodie that's been cut off from the rest of the the sweatshirt, and it's hanging in this kind of uh, has this ghostly um, mm-hmm. presence. I'm thinking about Gary Simmons' um, mm-hmm. um, installations using um, hoods from Ku Klux Klan um, or evoking the the Klan, so to speak. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I'm thinking about um, Trayvon Martin.
3: Yes. Mm-hmm.
2: Um, so there's a kind of um, there's something there's there's something sort of in the ether about this the potential the for threat for this garment, but then also mm-hmm. um, its its ability to make have new types of associations and meanings. Um, so what yes. is the currency of of the garment for you um, as it's photographed um, in this um, iteration of the project?
3: Well, when I first began making the Hood's pictures, also I really thought of them as this, um, you know, not thinking about the kind of social political, but mainly thinking about this idea of kind of interiority and this this idea of protection, this inter- this idea of, you know, this kind of vulnerable. Uh, individual kind of cloaked with with this hood, and I always thought of them as these kind of like i've been so interested in the hood as, in its connection and, and to kind of religious practices. so for example, you know monks thinking about the hood in its sort of um, mobility through through culture, the origin perhaps can be linked to these sort of monks um, and thinking about these sort of individuals in solitude. And for me, what was was so interesting when I was making these photographs, I'm photographing in public space, and they are hyper hyper sharp. There's hyper detail. You know, I'm I'm going through all these sort of strategies to make this this image that is is so kind of simple and but at the same time very pointed. So um, you know, I'm photographing in. Uh, bright sunlight, you know, always, you know, and I was really interested in the sort of kind of aggression of this kind of direct sunlight. Anyone who studies photography knows that um, they usually tell you to kind of avoid sunlight, and that sunlight is like one of the the least flattering conditions to photograph under. So I was really interested in the sort of uh, violence and kind of aggression of this direct sunlight and how it um, kind of re- in a way, just illuminates the 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 figure and describes the the hoodie in this kind of hyper detail. But at the same time, you have this complete voidness of 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 a human uh, figure. It's it's almost as though the the figure is is filled by the viewer's presence in, in a way. Mm-hmm. You know, the the sort of identity or um, the sort of specificity of the individual is actually f- filled in by the viewer. And in a lot of ways you know, that shows one's own sort of preconceived notions or, or bias around the, this actual particular article of clothing that at this point in time is so kind of fraught because of, you know, the, the sort of murder of Trayvon Martin uh, or, or because of the associations or the connections of racial profiling or, or racism that the, the actual object has um, kind of been uh, attached to. Even though at the same time it's it's a very very kind of innocuous, you know, thing. It's it's a hoodie. It's it's something that we all um, put on at one point or another in our lives across age, race, gender. So uh, you know, in just thinking about the sort of loadedness of it as as an actual item um, was something that uh, was was very interesting to me, and, and and also in its sort of repetition as well.
2: This is a your first public one of your first public art projects mm-hmm. um, in Toronto, the Contact Photo yes. Festival, correct? Yes. Mm-hmm. Talk to us about how you um, have, are moving between the singular image and um, the kind of repetition of, of the hoods through um, this public art installation. And I say that to to also ask you to contemplate this idea of as of the hood, as um, as a kind of semiotic, as we mm-hmm. as we discussed, mm-hmm. seeing the repetition of them.
3: Yes, yes. Well, I. I at SVI, I teach a class called Photography and Language, and, and we look at uh, photography both in its kind of semiotic kind of form and what, what photographs actually symbolize. Um, but we also think about the sort of relationship between text and image. And the first time I was approached uh, about doing a public art commission, it was with a nonprofit called the 14 by 48 Project. And it was the mounting of a billboard in New York in Manhattan, on 29th Street between Seventh and Eighth Ave. So, in this very kind of highly populated area that has this sort of uh, ubiquity of, you know, fashion, fashion photographs, and different types of advertising. Uh, so, thinking about the, this idea of genre, you know, and, and and how it's connected to billboards, and how uh, fashion, in a lot of ways, is you know connected to. Um, you know, fashion is actually or, or clothes as a subject um, you know throughout this work. and I when I first made the hoods, you know in, in kind of keeping this very very kind of precise form of this the bust and this kind of hyper detail kind of recording of this this garment, I wanted to think also about the way in which through its repetition, it's just like repeating a word over and over and over again, you know that. Eventually, the, the word begins to lose the sort of specificity of the meaning and it starts to take on a new kind of meaning, or it almost can just become a, a sound, you know? And uh, for me, you know, part of the enterprise in actually making the hoods was trying to look at it outside of the kind of social political also and, and, and try to bring it back to its sort of origin of, of being this kind of form that's about protection.
2: So I like to think about um, Lyle Ashton Harris here and uh, Lorna Simpson as one of the um, a part of a generation of artists who reclaimed the black body Mm -hmm. vis-à-vis photography and Mm -hmm. and thinking about the black body conceptually. Um, And in this these body of works, we have the sort of the figure not ascertainable to the viewer. Yeah, there's a lack of certainty when one looks or gazes upon um, these images. There are other tools that come into play when the viewer can't necessarily rely on um, having a sort of ascertainable mm-hmm. um, figure or person um, in front of them. How do you see your relationship to the work of 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 Simpson and 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 Ashton Harris? Well,
3: they're both. For you know artists who work with photography mm-hmm. who are very much concerned with um not only the not only their this idea of representation and identity, but also photography as a subject itself and photography as a as a medium that has to be approached in thinking about how photographs are actually activated in the real world. so um one of my 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 favorite one of my favorite works is as uh, one of my favorite artworks ever is this Lorna Simpson piece this uh, kind of you 're fine you 're hired mm-hmm. um, and and this kind of uh, photograph that these photographs that are kind of activated through these kind of descriptions on the side and um, what 's so interesting to me about these works is how they kind of both put the viewer and the subject in this kind of state of vulnerability and there's this kind of slippage that happens in that that is very very interesting to me and somewhat unsettling also there's a there's a kind of subtle kind of disruption that happens there where the viewer is kind of confronted with the back of, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, that's it's something just so um, sort of fascinating about. Um, it's almost like the back of, it's almost like the back of the head as a face, almost in a way, you know. So it's like you're kind of faced with obstacle of confronting one's own sort of imagination. It's it's so interesting to me how they they use photography in this way that. Is very very much about thinking about viewership and authorship.
2: Yeah, I would definitely agree that the meta narrative is that um, mm-hmm. is that viewers' predicament. Um, I'm wondering though, how do you how do you see I, I very much see your practice as um, or or their practices as a part of an inheritance for you. Mm-hmm. Um, you trained with Lorna Simpson at Yale, yes. right? What was yes. that experience like?
3: <laughs> well, <laughs> what she. Did you
2: take what were you, what, what were your takeaways from that the, that engagement with
3: her? Well, Lorna is just an incredible artist and a very very serious artist, and um, you know, being taught by someone who is so um, revered and art historical was certainly a uh, very both exciting and unsettling <laughs> kind of uh, <laughs> uh, uh, study so um, yeah Lorna Lorna's just an, she's an incredible artist and she's she 's very serious and um, you know studying under her was i mean i 'm so grateful to have have studied under someone um, so incredible and and amazing, so yeah, I was just very grateful you know and still. Kind of unpacking, you know, after grad school, you know, it's still kind of unpacking all these um, kind of questions that you have about your own work and your own practice and your own relationship to other artists. Um, so, uh, in, in a lot of ways, it's something I'm still kind of right. unpacking <laughs> and, and thinking through. So, yeah,
2: I can't wait to ask you that question in
3: <laughs> five, ten years from now. <laughs>
2: um, so, I actually want to return to. Um, the hoods and ask you a question about surface quality. Um, you mentioned hyper sharpness. Mm-hmm. I believe that was the term that you. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So when I when I ask you about uh, let's say your relationship to Simpson's work, I'm thinking about maybe if if not perhaps this kind of formal quotation of a of a figure in in sort of disregard to their subject, but we're also thinking about the kind of elusiveness of. Of the subject and playing with um, the the sense of like hyper detail and hy- like this abundance of visual information that we get mm-hmm. from looking at a, a photograph like this, mm-hmm. um, and that kind of that that predicament of 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 the figure being veiled to us, um, mm-hmm. this confrontation with with bias um, or prejudice, as um, you would say, like. Um, talk to us about formally what your aspirations were for for this series.
3: You know, when I was photographing, when I was making the hoods as well. I mean, just the, the, the this kind of simplicity of of, of line and and the, the sort of use of color. I mean, this is this this is um, a Yale hoodie, so it's like this kind of Yale blue, um, and you'll see as you all see throughout the work, blue kind of reappears as this kind of marker of um, boyness or um, boyishness you know throughout these photographs the um, thing that i was really concerned with is is how do you kind of titillate the viewer with something that's so kind of banal in a way you know and a lot of the photographs they kind of have this very very slight peaking of, of hair and or, or the nose or, or, or maybe very, very kind of minute kind of details of the face that are never completely revealed. It's almost like this, this figure is continually in this state of in-between being sort of veiled and, and unveiled. You know, in a lot of these photographs, I'm, I'm thinking of, you know, how do you... How to titillate the viewer with something that is so kind of non-described with this real sort of sense of hyper detail, but so nondescript in a way. You know, there's there's almost like no information there. There's really next to no information in the photograph outside of um, you know f- this kind of description of figuration, this item of clothing, and this figure against this very kind of staid urban urban wall. So um, this idea of that I think is very, very um, in conversation to the, these kind of post-conceptual image makers is this idea of um, emptying out and letting in, in a way. So um, trying to take out as, as much information as possible, especially with the earlier series, being so much about these domestic spaces that, are, um, that, the, that both I and the viewer are completely let into. And, and completely, um, in a way, kind of comfortable. And so, thinking about these kind of levels of um, uncomfortability um, that comes when there's next to nothing, and there's a kind of frustration on the viewer's behalf of kind of knowing. You know? So taking out this, um, this the, the idea of knowing the subject. You know, and, and, and now, we're in this kind of state where we, we don't know the subject at all. So.
2: You know, I would argue that the infer I would say that the the kind of information that one would expect from seeing a figure photographed, now that information is might be lacking, but then the, there's this transition that one in in terms of your mode of viewing, the information becomes like the the deep folds and crevices of 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 the hoodie and mm-hmm. specks of dust, um, mm-hmm. the texture of the wall behind the figure, almost this kind of slowing down of time um, mm-hmm. um, and thinking about the kind of microscopic um, as opposed to the kind of structuralist, macroscopic right. way of, of right. trying to um, determine mm-hmm. something.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's, it's kind of like, I, I would agree with you. Um, and and it's, it's, it's kind of like, to an extent, it's like all the nuance and the, the sort of minor details become, in a way, very, um, present because there is less information to hold on to. So yeah, I would agree, I mm-hmm. would agree. Mm-hmm.
2: So should we move on to the next body of work? Sure. Um, so in keeping with this um, fixation on garments, this is the Rag series. Yes. Also featured on the cover of your, your new book. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're, so, so there's a transition here. Mm-hmm. Um, talk to us about this series.
3: Yeah so the do rags began when I moved to Crown Heights, Brooklyn, where I live in Crown Heights is a very kind of Afro-Caribbean neighborhood and when I when I first moved there it was, I mean, New York is such a, an incredible place in how you feel as though, when you're walking through the city, you feel like you can travel through time almost in a way. And um, when I had first moved to Crown Heights, I had started seeing all these, um, again, started seeing all these kind of figures and, and, and do-rags. And I remember the first time that I was walking down the street and there was someone walking past me, and they were, they were walking so quickly. And the only thing that I remember was the train of the do rag just moving, kind of fluttering through the air. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I when I was growing up, you know, I wore a do rag, and there were women around me who wore do rag So I didn't really have this sort of um, kind of bias attached to to gender to them. I mean, like I always look at these pictures, and, and I don't really see. I mean, it's so much about the the way that the light hits the subject, and the way that the 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 kind of train of the do kind of cascades down the body. Um, and you know, I, I see a very kind of feminine quality in, in these pictures. And you know, when I first started making them, um, uh, my mu- <laughs> my muse for these pictures was a, a good friend of mine. Um, uh, Michael Malcolm, who has this just like really, really kind of round head, and I always <laughs> want, like I wanted them to be like these um, these these photographs where it's like you're 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 near and far at the same time. I think they're I think in a lot of ways they are very very similar to, um, they're activated in a, in, a, in a very similar way to the, the hoods in the way how you're both near and far at the same time. You know, these photographs were made with uh, a 4x5 camera. And you know, again, there's this kind of idea of working with an analog camera, slowing down time, really, really axing um, the, the, the subject to be a sitter you know, and, and be there and be still. Um, so when I was making these photographs, you know, I always would insist that the, in the first kind of, sp- in the beginning of the series, um, always putting the very, very um, pointing the focus on the ear so the head becomes like this kind of planet, almost, in a way. So it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're in a way, the viewer is situated in time and space in the same way that I was when I was making the picture. Yeah, these these photographs, you know, started in Crown Heights. I, I was I was like seeing do rags everywhere, and I was like, oh my god, like all these do rags, you know, <laughs> like I was seeing do rags everywhere. And I would go to the corner store, the corner of bodega, get these do rags for like two dollars and fifty cents, you know, and you know, I'd have like all these different colors and different textures, uh, in my bedroom, and I would uh, invite, you know, people to be photographed. To be a part of the series, and yeah, like when I when I look at these works, I mean, I just I, I can't help but think about the the, the sense of kind of religiosity or, or kind of spirituality that they have as as images, you know and in this idea of um, you know photography is so has been tied so much to um, this idea of interestingness that is based on how much access the photographer has to a particular type of subject or how strange an image is.
2: What do you mean when you say how much access they might have to
3: a particular subject? Well, I mean access in the sense of, um, in the sense of, you know, where a photographer can go. You know, uh, whether it's, you know, there are so many photographs of black communities, specifically, um, by um, white male image makers that are very much going into this space almost as a, a voyeur in a way. I feel, well, it's, it feels very much like a, a voyeur. I wanted to when I had started making the hood specifically. You know, I wanted to also think about. You know, why can't something or someone just be interesting in 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 their placement in the in the frame and in in how they are framed. Uh, and and kind of edited out of of the world, so um, you you know you, you begin to see that throughout this point in time, there's a the the, the figure is always in this kind of very neutral, nondescript s- space that could be anywhere, so they're kind of like out of place, and and out of time. So it, it, in a way, they they become um, these kind of phantoms, in a way.
2: Yeah, you know? where the 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 figure is is not is is. No more or less accented by the space as the space is no more or less activated by the sitter, so there's this kind of anonymous mm-hmm. sensibility to these images There people in them are ageless, raceless, mm-hmm. genderless mm-hmm. Um,
3: I've always felt that uh, when i when I look at these these photographs that they're like these little like you know they could be like these little deities, these little like kind of gods, but they're also like these kind of like aliens. You know, there's just like, there's something so kind of um, fantastical about all these other kind of descriptions being left, let in, like color and, and, and light and, and this idea of touch and, and feel um, that, to me, becomes very, very much about um, the kind of poetics of the image and poetics of the image. So.
2: Talk to me about um, about the sacred as it as it relates to the do rags. Um, mm-hmm. There's a kind of trans- transformative. When I, I remember coming back from Seattle when I and I had a visit with you and I'd just seen this um, beautiful Dwayne Valentine sculpture, this like cobalt blue um, like work of of. of of the utmost mastery, in terms of its sort of reflective. It was perfectly spherical, and um, it was just stunning. And then I come and I do a studio visit with you, and I'm looking at the rag series and having this um, almost like meditative-like experience, looking at these images that are really um, at, at their um, the Crux. The crux is this garment that is so cheap and um, some would argue um, pedestrian or lowbrow, but yeah. um, this utilitarian object has become has opened up a, a window to you know be something completely um, different or at an elevated sort of status. And like, so where is the space for the sacred in thinking about these works?
3: yeah well there is there is this relationship to uh intimacy in in all of i think pretty much all of my practice um where <clears throat> there you know is it's very much about this relationship between the the sort of artist and the sitter and there is this real kind of um you know whether the the back is to us or not. There is this kind of relationship to uh, the subject that I have, or a relationship. Um, there's there's definitely this relationship that I have to to the sitters, and you know their th- this idea of intimacy, I think, and and this kind of shared moment becoming public or um, visible to a third party, um, like you know Ariella. Azule is you know the civil contract of photography this this idea of um photography between um uh portrait photography or photography involving people having this kind of um new life when there is a viewer there's a, there's a third viewer in in that uh so i mean there's that, but there's also this kind of sacred geometry that mm-hmm. that they all have as as images it's almost as though they're they're like these triangle they, they become these trying triangular um these kind of triangular motifs that you're kind of looking up to it's almost like looking up to uh this kind of like the universe you know in a way and you know the the, the figure becomes um activated uh as a landscape you know and 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 not only um a, a sort of body but you know uh you know this Kind of figure that you can look at with all these different kind of possibilities of who they can be mm-hmm. and who they could become. Um, that is that is very much tied to this idea of the 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 sacred and, and the divine.
2: These are printed on silk.
3: Yes, yes. These are printed on a. Uh, and this is an installation view for y- for you all. This is um this is from a show that I had in L. Um, a. Solo show that I had in L. A. Where um, the, dur- the first time the do-rags were actually presented. And they're printed on the silk, kind of replicating that sort of materiality of the do-rag itself, but also very much in conversation to the veil vale of St. Veronica. You know, and the, the veil vale of St. Veronica is something that is kind of taught very much in the Catholic Church. The garment that Christ wipes his face with after leaving Calgary. And it's arguably one of the first kind of portraits in in the the, the history of art. And, you know, I always thought when I was making the Dureg specifically that it was almost like the, 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 the back of the back of this kind of like Christ like head because of the sort of divineness of the light and the the sort of geometry that the figures kind of have in based on how they're pa- placed in the frame. But the veil of St. Veronica itself is, you know, it's, it's like there's no kind of imprint specifically of a face. It's, you know, it's, itself is just a silhouette, you know? And uh, I was interested in these kind of silhouettes as um, the kind of backs of, of these heads, uh, the silhouettes as, a, as the back of perhaps what uh, a Christ-like figure could look like. You know? So and they're always described as photographs but I always view them as these kind of textile textile pieces yeah. because they are all in textile yeah so.
2: they're certainly objects um, mm-hmm. reminding us of the kind of, of the <laughs> constructedness of, of right. i mean so much of what we see today we see jpegs and yeah. digital files and so <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, the idea that these are um, on printed on a textile um, gives you know added weight i would say yes. or lack of a better Better term. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Shall we talk about tribe?
3: Yeah, yeah. Let's, the most let's recent, most, mm-hmm. recent the most recent body of work. Most recent body of work.
2: One of the things that I was most struck about with with tribe, with this new body of work by John, was his um, unabashed play with modernist quotations. So mm-hmm. I'm thinking a lot about Man Ray and Duchamp and mm-hmm. Carl Van Vechten and, and Thinking about your relationship to, or in this with this body of work, thinking about um, the this play between still life and portrait. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is a new direction for you, I would say.
3: I, I think it's a new direction, but I, you know, when I first began these making the photographs for Tribe, I, you know, I was at at the house of a of a friend again, and you know, I was I was looking around and I was seeing all these kind of African decorative kind of objects and, and masks and you know I, I thought it was so interesting and in how I mean I had been photographing the 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 rag and the hood you know um, in the past almost as these kind of different kind of veils and masks so I thought it was like a good time to literally bring in these forms of, of mask into into my practice and uh, you know when I when I first began making these pictures you know I didn't uh, really, know exactly what I wanted visually, but I knew that I wanted uh, their hairs to be their hair to be waved, and I knew that I wanted it to be uh, that the figures would be gold. You know, in a way, you know. So I'm I'm, I'm using this like huge gold reflector to kind of um, warm the skin even more, uh, and really thinking about you know this idea of like how skin. In a way, or the description of a surface is is always very important in um, the sort of construction of the pictures, you know, the c- constructions of the photographs. So,
2: this was also a collaborative project, yes. Um, and it's, you worked with your friend Malcolm again, right?
3: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. So Malcolm is a hairstylist, and you know, I needed someone to kind of, like, like I said, I wanted the the, the figures to almost be like these sort of. Uh, people that emerge from underneath the do-rags with their hair, very, very finely styled and, and, and really tightly done. Uh, so yeah, I, I was collaborating with a friend of mine. I mean, some, some of the images, you know, the people have these kind of like very kind of stylized waves. But, uh, and then there are others where people have these more sort of natural, natural waves, but they're often accentuated and exaggerated for the sake of the, the images, so. So that was my, my tete de femme, head of a woman. And often when you look at sort of modernist art, whether it's sculpture, photography, painting, there's like, there's always, I mean, from Matisse to Man Ray, there's like, this, there's always like the, the head of the woman, head of a man. So, you know, I started making these photographs, um, thinking about this sort of the interplay of kind of still life, portrait, um, portrait is still life, still life is portrait and and, and sort of reactivating uh, these objects that perhaps do not have a, a sort of grand uh, sense of, of value because they're not from a specific tribe in Africa, but they 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 have a sense of value because of the homes that they come from and and the people who uh, care about them. So, you know, again this idea of kind of reassigning value to things and objects that may be very kind of quotidian or kind of valueless in other people's opinions or minds. So,
2: this um embrace of artifice. What was the story behind the 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 mass that you um you found out ab- about? Was this after the fact or during the shooting of the <laughs>
3: <this>? <laughs> It's kind of after the fact that I, you know, I was I was sharing these, you know, objects with a friend, and um, you know, it was then I learned that they were not specific to to any tri- to any tribe in Africa. But, you know, what was really interesting to me in that was that the the, the project took a completely new turn in in how I was constructing the space through the photographs. I mean, these these pictures are done, and uh, I made these photographs in a daylight studio in in New York, and you know the. The, the, the way that the models kind of um, are, are placed in the image and the way that they are kind of like activated in the pictures um, was almost as though the, the they become uh, like these little art models that, almost like these art models that, like, you know, when you're in uh, art school, there's, you know, a, a model that stands on the stage and you draw them and, and they become like this kind of archetype. You know, I, I thought about these... The, the, the models in these photographs as these kind of like art models that are that are archetypes and and, and faces that are studied heads that are studied um, uh, throughout so
2: so you kind of move between a, a, a kind of conventional portrait style mm-hmm. and then the figures um, are placed in awkward positions mm-hmm. almost kind of like they are a part of a still life, as opposed to being pictured as people. So here on, mm-hmm. what is this? My left, mm-hmm. uh,
3: our left. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: mm-hmm. our left. Here we see a head. Yes. <laughs> that's, yes. Um, and we see this sort of beautiful um, luminosity of of mm-hmm. the of the waves of the hair, but there mm-hmm. again is no kind of information around like the kind of body or the the person that we're right. um, gazing upon. And, um, I think it's important to note that you are entering queer black bodies Mm -hmm. and queer black people into this play uh, or mode of of play with modernism. And Mm -hmm. you have gender nonconforming folks Mm -hmm. within the series. And so really kind of getting at deconstructing Notions of gender, mm-hmm. notions, of, notions of race, mm-hmm. notions of masculinity and
3: femininity, or even how the body itself should be, kind of placed in an image, yeah. or you know, the, the idea that the 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 head, you know, almost becomes this kind of synonymous to these kind of African masks that um, are very much about you know the shape the shape of it, it itself. Um, so on the on our left, um, this is Untitled Head One, and then. On the right-hand side, you see this woman kind of cradling her face, and that image is called "Faces Mask." So, kind of using the the body, the body as a prop, as you as mm-hmm. you say in the the <laughs> essay that you you write um, on the work. But yeah, like using the body as not only a body, but the body as a as a prop and outside of its usual function. Right.
2: There's a series of Walker Evans photographs. Have you seen these? Um, from he, so Walker Evans took um, photographs of the um, African objects that were in mm-hmm. the I want to say 1934 or 37 um, African Negro Art Show at the at the Modern, mm-hmm. um, and he didn't um, take these sort of straight shots where we're kind of, you know, that that make the object appear to be kind of. An obdurate object. He angled his camera in many ways to kind of mm-hmm. create this larger-than-life effect, where the the sculptural the sculptures kind of became people, and mm-hmm. so that weird interplay, the kind of um, right. manipulation of the camera, um, mm-hmm. is something that was, is is resident to me in some of these pictures um, too.
3: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I remember I I, I, I saw these um, these works also in at the Centre Pompidou um, when. He had a show a, a very it was a <clears throat> very big kind of survey of his work, and I remember seeing those. Um I remember seeing those works and and being very drawn to the kind of um, kind of unusualness of how they're both kind of straightforward in a way, but at the same time um kind of unusual because of that that extra sense that, that that sense of subjectivity that he like kind of in, like you know puts into the image by kind of angling the camera and and you know photographing photographing these objects as what they are but also trying to uh, activate them in this kind of almost caricature Kind of, kind of way too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm.
2: interestingly enough, those images were um, were a part of a portfolio that was kind of sent to these historically black colleges, and mm-hmm. um, it was the the museum's idea that to um, to circulate these images of um, of African objects as kind of educational uh, right, right. tools for. Um, for um, college students, uh, black college students. Um, so, <laughs> so here, here, we are, <laughs> um, sort of making your, you know,
3: <laughs> yeah. making
2: your own kind of intervention into mm-hmm. um, uh, that kind of inter- interconnected, tra- those tra- transatlantic um,
3: histories. Mm-hmm.
2: You spent time in Paris, though.
3: Yeah, I, I did. Um, in 2011 was the first time ever went to Paris. Um, and I studied there at a school called Parsons Paris. At the time, was a, it was a sister school to Parsons in New York. And um, yeah, I spent about seven months there. And I had always been really interested in um, uh, specifically the, the kind of surrealist movement in photography in, of the 1930s and 1940s, because I, I've always understood it at this time that was very, very kind of radical in the sort of cultural Appropriation, exchange, um, confusion—that—that that was happening at the time. I mean, you know, even when I look at these 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 photographs, I can't help but think of you know um, Josephine Baker, you know, and right. this idea of uh, black performers in Europe, <laughs> you mm-hmm. know. Um, uh, so, yeah, I—I I, it had a tremendous effect on me, you know, studying studying in Paris and um, getting getting to know. Um, uh, f- like French art, French artists more, and in, in thinking more closely about um, thinking about the relationship of a place like France and Paris specifically to Africa. So, yeah.
2: So we are um, out of time, but mm-hmm. I wanted to move through the last uh, the images of Hire. You'll find in Hire, it's your mm-hmm. first monograph, so first taking monograph you through mm-hmm. every body of work that we've discussed today
3: yes yes yeah. four bodies of work made between 2011 and 2018 so it's very kind of comprehensive view of my practice and a very very um, yeah very, very comprehensive view of my practice and how it's changed over over the years and, and, and s- certain thematics that have uh, continued to to. Be very important for me, such as you know this idea of uh, of masks and, and, and figuration and and the sort of this idea of this kind of spiritual presence and and when gender is kind of like undone, you know, and and kind of new, um, as you say, um, uh, the 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 viewer can behold anew mm-hmm. you know, and see and see, the, and see the, the the figures kind of out of. Uh, both kind of thinking about politics, um, sort of political, and the person who is political, but also this sort of uh, this idea of ascension. Mm, which is why it's called hiding. So. <laughs> <laughs> so
2: there's a great essay yeah. uh, interview between you and Micheline Thomas. Yes. Um, in in the book, it's absolutely stunning. Um, it was just nominated for a, a shortlist for the Aperture Foundation. Yes, photo book of the year. Yes, First Paris, book.
3: Photo, Paris yeah. Photo's um, book of the year. is just shortlisted for that. Yeah. So yeah, congratulations, yeah. John. Thank you. Uh, thank you, Jessica. And
2: thank you, everyone. <laughs> thank you, guys. <laughs>
0: This has been a National Gallery of Art podcast.